una y dos y dos una y dos Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 48. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify, and also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And don't forget my online store, CortezNYC.BigCartel.com. Uh, I have original art, stickers, posters, and pins for sale. And thank you, everybody, for the birthday shout-outs. I appreciate it. And we gotta say thank you to all our new followers on Instagram. We are 1,029 now. And also welcome to our new listeners to the podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, uh, answers, just send us an email to CortezNYCLivestream at gmail.com. Hey, all right. And uh, special shout out to all the people that are out there looking at the Mosa Bowery Art Exhibit down at Citizen M Hotel. Uh, if you don't know about it, Google search it. Mosa Bowery. That's M-O-S-A Bowery. Find out about it. Oh, yeah. So, Talk what are we talking about? Volume. What? Not volume like the volume that you're hearing right now in my voice. <laughs> volume as in mass, as in weight. Oh. Mass, weight, the weight, the body weight mm. of lettering, volume. Um, I I thought of this topic because I, I realized that um, when I'm doing graffiti, a lot of times I try to make my letters have weight, body, like mass, like body yeah. weight. Like that you could feel that there's a shadow or a highlight. Right. And even if the art is flat, I still try to give it this like shadow or highlight kind of look. Um And then I realized that I'm always doing that. And I'm like, well, I think that's the generation of graffiti that I'm from, where we started kind of doing the 3D effects to our lettering. Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized, well, maybe a lot of people out there who do lettering, either you're a graffiti artist, or maybe you just do lettering because you like to doodle and you do lettering, you might find this interesting. I thought about all the different types of 3D that you can give your, your letters. Um, and when I started making like a short list, I thought there would only be like two or three ideas. Yeah. I ended up realizing that there's like, I have like 10 here. Oh, wow. So there's <laughs> like 10 different ways to add um, dimensionality to your letters. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize it until I started doing it. Um, so what I'm talking about when I say dimensionality, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to post visuals because as always, when I do these topics, it's hard to describe it yeah to describe mm -hmm. it and make it entertaining and and allow you to follow along just from my voice yeah so i'll definitely post uh, i'll make a post showing the different dimensionality that you can give to lettering I'll, i'll illustrate each one and i'll make a post on instagram so you could go check it out on cortez nyc live stream live stream at instagram that's cortez nyc with an s mm -hmm. um so All right, so well, I'm gonna. I tried to organize it in a way that is from the most basic. I think that we all learn, mm -hmm. all the way up to like things that are a little more complicated. 
and what I'm gonna use as a visual tool I'm gonna kind of I'll probably just do the letters A B C and keep it really simple for you guys to see that it's just a very simple concept um, I think some of the points that I'm gonna talk about you wouldn't be able to really get the feeling for it if it was just one letter so I'm gonna try to do three letters I think three letters will really show you the three-dimensionality um, so dimensionality so you're you're doing something let's say let's just talk about even just drawing if you're just using a pen right mm -hmm. I'm not even gonna talk about spray paint or airbrushing I'm just even with a, a ballpoint pen or a pencil um, you can add dimensionality very simply and, uh, with the first concept which is just a drop shadow so if you just made a very simple letter, flat, no color, just made the outline of a letter, you know, the letters A, B, C, and then you, all you do is you just uh, slightly shift over on one side of the letters and just trace along the edge of the letters and just fill it in black, make it a little heavier on one side outside of the lettering so that it looks like there's another layer of the letters underneath. That's a drop shadow. So it's a darker version of the same shape underneath slightly shifted off-center and drop shadow I think is the first one that we all learn I think when when you're doing your name and somebody and you imagine like doing 3d you do a little drop shadow just to show that the letters are sitting on like hovering above the paper yeah and it's just an illusion you know a lot of these things that I'm talking about all these things are just two-dimensional illusions mm -hmm. to give you the information that something is 3d but it's not really 3d right obviously it's not a photograph <laughs> yeah. um, and I and obviously right now with computers and all that you can do actual 3d, 3D modeled and you can see it moving you can see it moving around yeah. but but it's still that's still a two-dimensional thing because you're seeing it on a, on a screen yeah exactly, exactly so it's still 2d it's just that it's very well rendered 3d mm -hmm. um all right so the next one so the first one is drop shadow the next one i'm going to say is what they call 3d block letter so what this is this is similar to a drop shadow the only difference is that now instead of making it seem like it's a blacked out uh, copy of the letter underneath it floating behind it what you're gonna do is you're gonna take the same letter you're gonna extrude it from behind the letters like extend it back and you're gonna connect it with uh, what we would call perspective lines right it's the next simplest simplest step so, so you're giving the illusion that the letter is like a block like mm -hmm. it's carved out of a block mm -hmm. um, the how how far you do the 3d will give you more of an exaggerated three-dimensional look so you can go from maybe just doing it slightly off slightly off uh the the, the regular letter shape yeah to being very long to be making it seem like it's like the entire length of the letter again you know a full maybe inch let's say or two inches away from you know the original letter and that'll give you more of a of a block kind of shape yeah but a 3D block letter, you could either shade the, the 3D or not, you're still gonna get the same idea. And I, and I don't even think you need to shade it in order to get the concept that it's that it's a, supposed to be a 3D block letter. Mm -hmm. um, then the next one that I thought of was, well, what people usually do is they'll combine both. So they'll do the 3D block letter with a drop shadow underneath that. So it looks like this three-dimensional block letter is floating on, on top of the paper. So the 3D block letter is the combination of the first two and that's another very simple way of doing you know uh, uh the illusion of 3d in your lettering mm -hmm. um the next one i like to call the superman technique which is one point perspective so this is where you take lettering and you take the points of your letters all the corners and you extend them to towards the back 
to one point. Oh, is it like making that S? Yeah, mm-hmm. all the lines going to one place. Yeah. And and it kind of gives you that Superman title. Yeah, you know, yeah. when, when on the comics, when it says Superman and it has a three-dimensional lines going towards back into infinity, that's very typical in, in comic books and that kind of stuff. And that's a technique. And that's uh, an illusion, a trick, uh, a cliche for doing 3D to your letters. And it's, it's a one-point perspective. The difference between what we said earlier, the block letters, and the one-point perspective is that the block letters all go in the same direction, parallel. All the dimensional lines go parallel to each other. In the one-point perspective, they all go towards one point mm. to infinity. And that gives it, that gives it a different feeling. Um, and you'll, you guys will see it. If you look at the post, you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one... I would say, so we already said one point perspective. The next one would be two point perspective. So this is where you take a letter or you take your lettering and you give it two point perspective. Uh, to the left, let's say, the, the, that side of the lettering will go to one dimension, to one direction. Mm-hmm. And then to the right, the lettering will skew to the other direction. And what that'll do is that'll give you a sense of dimensionality of height. It'll make the letters look like they're tall or like they're big. Like you're looking from down up at the letters, depending on where you do the two-point perspective. But for the most part, people do it to make it look like you're looking up at the letters. Um, again, you don't need shadows in this. As long as you're doing the lines correctly, just just basic outlines, you know, it'll give the illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's effective. I mean, people do this all the time in graffiti. This is common. All of these are very common in graffiti. Um, the next one, not so common in graffiti, but pretty common in type. I, I like to say it's called the elongated drop shadow. This is where you do your lettering, um, and the lettering is just flat and straightforward at you. So it's just basic, you know, you're just doing your letters, your block letters, let's say A, B, C, and it's just facing you directly, but then your drop shadow goes off into the perspective. So your drop shadow is laying down on the floor and it's extended across the floor behind the letters. Into, probably kind of into infinity, but it doesn't, I think if you go too far into infinity, it won't look like it. But mm-hmm. um, so that's the elongated drop shadow. And that some people I've seen that in graffiti. It's more common in, in like uh, lettering that's like for titles and, and comics and things like that. But um, but that's another one. And then a combination of what we just talked about would be the two point perspective with the elongated drop shadow. So now you're giving it the two point perspective to make it look like it's tall, but then you're extending the drop shadow across the floor so it looks like the sun is beaming on a building and that building is casting a long shadow on the floor and that will give you again perspective dimensionality on a, in a two-dimensional plane in a very simple way you don't even need you know fancy shading um then the next set of techniques for shading or giving volume to your letters um is they all fall in the world of beveling uh, beveling is when you have dimensionality within your letters as opposed to outside of your letters. Everything that I talked about so far has been giving your lettering dimensionality outside of your letters. Mm-hmm. Beveling is inside your letters. So you can you can let just let your art, your lettering be flat on, straight on. But then what you do, the first one that you do is the beveled highlight. You just go, let's say... Uh, a, a one eighth of the way into the letter right and you just run a, a white highlight on the let's say up all the upper left corners of your letters right and if you follow it kind of methodically across all your letters just putting a, a highlight on the upper left it's going to create the illusion that there's a a white highlight beveled on the upper left of your lettering um 
it just gives it a little mass in a simple way. If you're doing it by pen, the, the trick to the beveled highlight is that you have to shade your letters, just a light shade. So designate where your left, upper left um, beveling is gonna be, and then shade everything else. And you'll see this if you guys look at the post that I'll, mm -hmm. that I'll be putting up, you'll see what I'm talking about, the beveled highlight. Uh, the next one would be the, the opposite, which would be the, the shadow bevel. So that'll be the opposite. That would be the beveling on the, let's say, cartoon, you know, stereotypical would be that it would be on the right, on the bottom right. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you're, you go, like, let's say, 1 8th or 1 16th into the lettering, into the shape of the lettering on the, on the right and the bottom, and you just run a shadow along it. You just shade it in, right? And you could either blacken it in or shade it in. Um, and then you could leave your letter, the rest of the letter, pure white because now this is the shadow. Your lettering could be white and it'll be fine. Um, so this is a shadow bevel. So the first one was the highlight bevel, which is on the upper left. And then the bottom, the next one would be the shadow bevel. Mm -hmm. The next one that is the third step to this beveling thing would be full bevel. This is giving the illusion that, that you have lighting coming on from the left, that your letter has a tint to it. So in the, in the center of the letter, you, you know, the middle, the body of the letter in the middle of it, you have like a slight shade. And then on the right, you have that shadow bevel. So you're gonna have your highlight on the left of the lettering, the highlight bevel. In the center, you'll have just a light cast of shade. And then on the right, you'll have like a, a heavy shadow, maybe pure black, and it'll be your shadow bevel. And then you put all those three bevels in one, it becomes full bevel. And I'll illustrate that for you guys too, so you guys can see that. Um, and then the last two are the fun ones um, mm -hmm. that I, I would say are, are graffiti based. One would be a version of the 3D block letter, which a lot of people started nicknaming the, the gummy letters or the, the 3D gummy letters uh, because it's, it's like 3D block lettering, but it's, it's morphing. It's not following any rigid perspective. It's, it's warping. Uh, the, the, the 3D on one side is not even, you know, it can be fatter on the, on the top, thinner on the bottom. The letters could be warped and they could be thinner on the top, fatter on the bottom or vice versa. And you can give it a little shade to give the illusion that there's like a curvature to the, to the, to the 3D. So it's not just a flat on block letter, mm -hmm. it's more curved and, and fun. And that's, that's something that definitely came to life in the 90s in graffiti. Um, where people started taking their block letters and giving it more life and, and experimenting. Um, and then the last one that I would say uh, is a rounded soft bevel. This is where you, almost like a bubble letter, where you, where you take your lettering in and you do a bevel inside the lettering, but you give it a shade that goes from light on the top to dark on the bottom. And then you give it like a little bit of shadow on, on the edges so that it kind of feels rounded, almost like it's uh, made out of like, uh, like a gummy substance or like a, mm -hmm. like a rounded substance. Um, and, and that's, that's pretty, pretty much it. I think, um, I never really thought about all these, all these different <laughs> ways of approaching it, but I guess I do it unconsciously and I don't, I don't yeah. think about it. I mean, have when, you noticed these? Yeah, I'll give you the papers. When did you learn to do 3D first? Mm. I mean, it was in school or you think it was more because of graffiti? Lettering? Yeah. I think it was because of graffiti. Um, I, I, I mean, I remember in, 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 even in high school, I remember having some projects where I would be asked to do, uh, lettering because back then we did all our lettering by hand. Mm -hmm. we, we didn't do it in the computer. Yeah. So 
I remember I would be asked to do a poster or asked to do, uh, you know, some sort of project that needed lettering done by hand, yeah. like a title. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and, and you would start to just imitate what you think you saw, you know, on comic books or in, in toy, you know, packaging or, or uh, food packaging does it a lot. Yeah. A lot of food pack packaging does it all the time, mm -hmm. you know, from, from gum to candy to sodas, yeah. you know, they all have like a dimensionality to the letters. Um, cereal boxes, you know, they, they're always doing that. Um, so yeah, so I, I kind of like started just imitating that and trying to figure it out unconsciously, just doing all these different approaches to, mm -hmm. to adding, sh you know, sh volume to the letters. Yeah. And then before you know it, you start doing it and then you realize, oh wow, that these are actually a thing. Like, yeah. I mean, it makes it look, um, exactly more like an item more than like an object, just, yeah. uh, letters or a pen a right. uh, mark on a paper on a paper right it makes it feel more like it's something that you can touch almost well looking at the illustrations i've tried to make some of this but i'm never good with 3d every time i try it it's like i don't know it, it never looks uh good well i that, that's where i think um you have to give in to the fact that it's not really 3D. It's just an illusion. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a it's a cartoon of 3D. Yeah. It's, it's not as long as you put the shade in the right spot in the right area. Yeah, that's that's what it is. That's exactly. all it is, it, it, and it, you don't have to be realistic because there's no reality to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I I mean you can do very detailed realistic versions of this. Mm -hmm. Even now on the computer, you can do it like automatically. You can yeah. do it. There's filters that you can just do it for you. Um. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's still a trick. Yeah. And in, in school, at least even in, in the most basic uh, steps, they'll teach you how to make a box and how to make right. a house with different uh, points of view and stuff right, like that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is the, so. the same principle as doing doing a, a 3D box, doing mm -hmm. a, a circle, a, you know, a sphere uh -huh, yeah, yeah. or a triangle, a cone, yeah. you know, um, a cylinder. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same concept. It's just that when you're doing it with lettering, you know, you have to mix the two things. Mm -hmm. You want to make a, a letter form that looks like a letter form, and then you still want to give it that three-dimensionality. And and you don't want your letters to just look like a bunch of boxes. Exactly, exactly. It still needs to feel like letters. Yeah. I think that's a, that's something that might be interesting. I mean, because I'm a graffiti artist, I can, I can look at abstract lettering mm -hmm. that is rendered, and I see lettering. But I'm, I'm, I guess I could be curious as to like what somebody who doesn't do graffiti would see. Mm -hmm. Do they just see a bunch of weird shapes that we're doing, like it, that it's just dimensional objects, and yeah. they're probably like, "What are they making? What is that?" Yeah. In some cases, it's clear to see what the letters are. In other cases, sometimes it looks just like uh, a form or a. It's a, like a beautiful piece of art, but you don't really see the letters. In some cases, I, I get that. You know what? I'm going to actually, I'm going to post on here um, a couple of artists that, that I, I, I really, really recommend. If you're into 3D graffiti, you should check out. I, one mm -hmm. of them is uh, Pita. He's mm -hmm. Italian. The other one is Yama. Mm -hmm. He's Italian. And, uh, and and old school head would be Ernie. He's one of the first guys in New York that did like the 3D style. But I'm gonna I'm gonna post their stuff. I'll tag them yeah. also. Um, Ernie, Pita, and Yama. Um, they're on Instagram. They have a lot of stuff. But Yama's stuff, you know, he's his stuff is really cool because he he does like um, I always say it looks like spaghetti. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It yeah. just looks like 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 long, curly and wavy. Sh- it's like uh, like strands. Mm-hmm. Like they don't they don't look like letters, no. like little block letters. Mm-hmm. They're like long cords and and. Uh, it's as if he took a cursive letter and extended to yeah. that style. Yeah, and 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 because the letters go in and out and over and under, like they kind of weave around each other. Mm-hmm. So he does beveling. He does. The 3D block letter, and then he does the drop shadows because he makes one part of a letter cast a shadow onto another part, which makes it feel like that letter or that part of the letter is in front of the other part. So the letters are never just straight on; they're they're interweaving and they're they're moving around organically, and that would that's what makes it really entertaining because when you're looking at it, it looks like a little maze, like a little wonderland. Like mm-hmm. your eye just travels, you know, within the letters and within the pieces, and you can just imagine this being you know an object that you can walk into mm-hmm. you yeah. know i think it makes it interesting um and then the colors that he uses you know he, he plays with color a lot so it, it, it's interesting also to see how he, he gets away with that yeah um the um i mean the other ones that are kind of simple that i didn't mention here but like bubble letters yeah you know bubble letters with a big fat you know highlight on it so they look really cartoony that's very typical that you know everybody who does bubble letters they'll just put that little white little white line and a little dot mm-hmm. you know on, on the left side and that means that it's That's bubble date, it's yeah. a balloon yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know like balloon letters um yeah um but anyway i mean I, I i think we talked about it in the previous episode where we talked about and i think that's why i got this idea in my head but you know when you when you want to sketch from life when you want some sort of model to sketch from Mm -hmm. and if you wanted to practice lettering i I remember saying you know use paper cut out paper and and give yourself some shapes and use those shapes you know you can put a lamp on it and kind of cast shadows and get an idea of you know what's one side of the plane and what's another side of the plane and like how's the highlight and the shadow casting on, on something else and you can make little abstract shapes like that and i definitely recommend if you want to do that even with little boxes if you just get Get some shoe boxes and some things like that and you can put lighting on it and you can really experiment with shadows and, and that if you really wanted to study it that's a good way to do it um but it, it'll it'll help you know expand your your sense of dimensionality i mean we haven't even talked about depth like like letters in the distance versus letters up close right which is another level mm-hmm. you know if, if you can get past giving your letters dimensionality on it on their own then you can get into the place where you start to make letters look like they're far away. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe um, on a wall you can make lettering look like it's fuzzy, like it's at, like it's out of focus and it's in the distance, mm-hmm. and make some other letters look up close and sharp. You know, and very very in focus. You know, and that that's a way of creating illusions also. Um, that you know you don't think about it until you start inventing and drawing and drawing you realize that there's like you can create a universe within these letters like they yeah. exist in a space you know? yeah yeah um all right so i think that's it for this okay very interesting topic <laughs> all right you guys go out there and sketch draw rock your letters do your pieces watch out for the posts i'm definitely going to post on instagram like i yeah. said cortez nyc live stream uh on instagram and just practice your 3D and tag us. Culture talk. Culture talk. 
Carlita, what are we going to talk about this culture talk? So we're going to be talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. What? She's not my sister. <laughs> no, she's not. She's with a, with a Z. Um, but we wanted to talk about her because she had got a lot of attention during this uh, past month. Uh, when she, on June 26, 2018, won the Democratic Party in New York's 14th Congressional District, um, which covers parts of the Bronx and Queens uh, in New York City. And this was a big win because it was against one of the biggest uh, congressmen in New York. He has been there for years and nobody had um, the opportunity to win uh, against him, uh, which was Joe Crowley. So Joe Crowley, he was the congressman representing this part of New York City, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went against him in the primaries and won. Wow. Um, the most exciting thing about her campaign and her win is that she did all of this without big corporate money, which has been her whole campaign. Uh, she said that the biggest donation she got was $29 or so. And this was all because they, uh, her team went into the streets of the Bronx and Queens and they were talking the language that people wanted to hear. They were talking about um, health, Medicare for all. They were talking about the communities. And because Alexandria is born and raised in New York, in the Bronx, she knows uh, firsthand what is it to be a working class, uh, working class citizen in New York. So she knew how to organize and manage her experience and then translate it into talking to other people and getting them to vote and getting them to donate. And it was awesome. Wow. So just to tell you a little bit more about her, she's 29 years old. Um, she's an educator, politician and political activist. She has a bachelor's degree from Boston University in economics and international relations. And um, like I said, she was born and raised in the Bronx from a Puerto Rican mother. And her father, it was, he, I believe he's like a New Yorker. Um, but she, even though she had the opportunity to go to college and she had a bachelor's degree and all that, when she came back from college because she went to Boston, she had to work as a waitress and also as a bartender in order to help her mother mm. because they didn't have enough money. Her father um, passed away, so she had to help her mother, you know, and the only way she could do it was working like that. I, I, um, I saw an interview or a doc little short documentary on her, and, and yeah, they, they, like, I'm always skeptical about these politicians but mm. but when you see her and you see her interacting with people and she's telling her own story yeah you feel it you realize that she's somebody from around the way she's she definitely has a professional side but when she's talking to, to the people in the street she's talking to the regular person you know that she'll bump into on the street you know she's very friendly she's very approachable and and she's telling her story you know the same way like yeah like used to work you know along these people you know working a, a, a just a, a job as it was it a, a bartender or bartender waitress? and waitress yeah so she was working hand by hand with uh indocumented 
workers, with immigrants, with people that had to work long hours in order to make just a little money. So she knew what was the struggle and she knew what these people needed to hear. Um, and then she started to working as an organizer for Bernie Sanders for the 2016 presidential campaign. And that makes sense. And that's when she got inspired, I guess, to say, well, maybe this is something I can do. But after his loss and after the presidential elections, uh, she started to travel across America by car and she visited different places as different places that were in need at the time. So she went to Flint, Michigan. She went to Standing Rock. Um, and then over there, she spoke to people that were affected by civil rights situations. And when she spoke to these people, uh, I heard uh, an interview that she did for uh, NPR that when she did this traveling, she found like her calling. She found that she needed to run because if she wouldn't do it, then nobody else would tell the stories of these people and they would not have a voice. And more when she went to Standing Rock, she found that even her ancestors was almost calling her to be a representation for her people as Puerto Rican, but also her people, she looking at herself as a Native American and looking at herself as part of a class that is not represented in the Senate. True. So that's when she decided, okay, well, Maybe I can do it, and I'm going to do it. And she started to run. Um, so like I said, nearly 75% of her donations were small individuals' contributions. Compared to Crawley's campaign, Ocasio spent 194000 versus $3.4 million. Mm. And she won. Wow. So that tells you that it's not about some. So sometimes it's not about how much money you spend, but how much are you connecting with the community and how much they want to listen to what you're saying. And if you really want to know what are they going through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's like that's that Bernie thing. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of how he, he made so many comments like that, boasting that his in his campaign, it was, you know, I don't know if he said like less than five dollars or less than twenty dollars donations. Yeah, 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 yeah. He made he made he put a number out there and he was like, Yeah, the donations are so small but it's so many people that it shows that people really want him yeah. you know, to represent. Yeah. So when she won, uh she became the youngest nominee for Congress with, with she was twenty eight at the time, now she's twenty nine. But if wow. she wins in November, which go out and vote if you're in New York City <laughs> But if she wins in November, she will become the youngest woman to be a representative for the House of Congress. Wow. So, yeah. I hope she wins. I hope she gets in there and starts yeah, that's history. making history. Yeah, making history. History in the making. The youngest women, and I, and I feel also to be a Latina, yeah. women representing us, yeah. that's awesome. And representing well, because she, yeah. she, does, she does the job. It looks like she's really serious about the job. Yeah. Uh, so she describes herself as a democratic socialist, which means that she supports policies such as Medicare for all, job guarantee, 
tuition-free public college, ending privatization of prisons, and ending gun control policies. Mm. So I think there's a lot of hope there. She also believed that the Democratic Party should change their views into a more working class, um, that they should focus more into the working class people because these are the ones suffering the most right now right with the economy so that that's that democratic socialism yeah that, that's I, I think that's that bernie sanders vibe and i guess i i guess we're gonna see more politicians like this if it if it works yeah we'll probably I see mean, more more politicians taking these and, stands and this is another thing that is happening for these elections in november 6 there is a lot of other progressives out there um there's a lot of people that came out that actually won the primary so now you have them in in the ballot so you can vote for them and they're new they're young and they're full of of new ideas that i feel that if we want to change as a society um overall we should really look close into them yeah i i um you know i i know that you had mentioned her to me a, a long time ago um because she was I think her videos or something became vi- her her she became a sensation. Like, yeah. She became viral yeah. and people were posting about her mm-hmm. and it was a thing um, where everybody just wanted to talk about her. I don't know if they really were supporting her or they were just so imp- impressed and they were like, "Oh, look, it's a Latina, yeah, you know, and beat a guy." Mm-hmm. Oh, look, you know. But I, you know, I don't know if people really got into like, "Hey, let's really follow her and find out about her." Um, but then, so I wasn't interested either because I was like, ah, "I don't want to hear any more viral nonsense mm-hmm. about politicians and all that." You know, like politics right now is really hard it's a, it's a hard subject to like get into because yeah. we got like the biggest problem in the white house so. yeah 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 um but so i was having a conversation with a co-worker uh portia shout out to portia fashion toolbox she's the one that kind of pushed me a little bit into it because we started having a political conversation talking about uh, we started from Barack Obama and ended up all the way around. No, we started off with Kavanaugh and, and <laughs> we ended up somehow in Barack Obama and went all the way around talking about Democrats and Bernie Sanders. And then, and then we're talking about Latino votes and politicians, Latino politicians, and what should you know what what is the demographic and what are people really looking for, for mm-hmm. to represent Latinos? And then like I was like, well, then I just threw her out. I was like, hey, what about that politician that I heard about? Let's look her up. And so I looked her up and then I was like, really, we were both kind of like looking at it like, oh, wow, like this is actually a person who's saying the right things. Yeah, it was it was it's funny how a conversation like that could lead you to to just look and take the information in at the right at the right way when you're actually looking for it, not when it's just viral. Yeah. And and then I started really looking at more of her videos and I was like, wow, like this person really is saying the right things. This person is really trying to represent. The, the right aspect of Latino culture. Because that's another thing. Like, we were having the conversation and we were saying, what is pandering to the Latino voters? Like, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, Hillary Clinton had, had you know, the, a lot of times where she was bringing up uh, J-Lo or Mark mm-hmm. Anthony and then doing, like, shows and, like, you know, having, like, the arriba moments mm-hmm. and all that. Like, yeah. where, like, they're just trying to entertain the Latino voters to, to get their attention. Yeah. Um, I remember, and I completely forgot about the guy, but I remember Hillary had the uh, the guy that was running with her yeah, I think that spoke he, Spanish. He was from Texas. Uh, he, or... he spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, and No, I think he was from the north. Oh, okay. And um, 
and he i remember when he was running with her and he would speak to the crowd in spanish i was like wow that's that's cool like that actually gets my attention i feel like if you're going to speak to latino voters you should be speaking spanish mm -hmm. even if your spanish is choppy mm -hmm. you know like that's typical in any big city you have mayors that speak spanish yeah even if their spanish is bad it's still an attempt to connect and it's important yeah but then the conversation that we were having was like well okay but what about the point what about the actual you know points that they're trying to make what about the actual um agenda that they're trying to push like is it is it real or not is it really helping or not mm -hmm. or is it just that they're just trying to entertain and trying to get the votes but they don't really care about the real causes or mm -hmm. the real problems um and and then that's when i you know that's when you got to say to yourself man that there is that that deficit of politicians that we don't we don't really have politicians that are really speaking to the latino voter mm -hmm. but in a respectful way yeah you know yeah. or speaking to them in a way that's educating them yeah and and bringing them up to yeah. speed with what's happening yeah you know um it's different for let's say it's it's an obvious difference when you have let's say trump or some of these people where they just speak to the latino voter like uh you know this is what you know more jobs and they just exactly. say keywords and they know that that it's going to get aroused That's out of people mm -hmm. but yeah i mean he's done the opposite he's actually attacked latino voters yeah 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 but but the point is it, it's a difference when you can see an obvious and, uh, that they're using obvious catchphrases or gimmicks to get attention that's obvious yeah and i think because we see so much of it we get numb to it mm -hmm. so we see all, we see like all politicians are fake mm -hmm. like we see like they're all just trying to get our attention mm -hmm. you know in in the united states mm -hmm. um and then and then we you know then we come across like let's say this this girl you know uh, this lady yeah you know um and uh, you know alexandra she's doing her thing like yeah. she's actually speaking um to the people and she's actually talking about the, the first things that i heard of her in, in the and documentary was exactly the things that i was saying myself that we yeah, needed you yeah. know and and the thing with her is that nobody knew about her before the this primary elections or anything hmm. when this happened she became uh you know everybody wanted to have her in their shows she went to the view she went to fox news And, you know, when you go to those type of shows, you will feel like she will be quiet maybe about certain things because right. she maybe she don't want to create that kind of image exactly. uh, of first impression because it will be every, uh, a national impression that she will make. Exactly. But she wasn't afraid. And uh, talking about the socialism and all that in the view, they asked her and... And, you know, she was trying to explain, we're not talking here about socialism the way you think we're talking about. We're talking more about a democratic socialism, which, which is different. It's something that includes everybody and that everybody can decide for. Uh, so in topics like that, he, she also talked about uh, the colonial status of Puerto Rico in a CNN show. And they were very, very skeptical about her view of Puerto Rico as a colony. Like, they, they didn't believe that she was saying that. Right. But it is the truth. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then... Yeah, that, that's, were, a, that's that's gutsy to come yeah. out right out the gate and, and say powerful things. Like, those tackle those subjects that, that don't have a clear mm -hmm. answer. It's not mm -hmm. it's not like a win-win. Somebody's mm -hmm. going to lose in that conversation. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? And then they were hitting her with, um, how are you going to pay for the Medicare for All? How are you going to pay for uh, the minimum wage raise? And it's a lot of things that when you see her speaking about it and you see that she can actually explain, but it's just that people don't want to give her the opportunity to 
be credible because they want to play games with her and with questions that makes no sense um you see that she's genuine yeah. and that she really wants to help the community so so let me let me ask you this um with the short time that we have left mm -hmm. because we're going to go right into hablando espanol yes how is imp how important is it that she spoke spanish i think you? it's it's very important because that makes it for me it makes it feel like she has some understanding of the culture and the latino culture in new york because if let's say if you say uh i'm for the latinos but you don't speak spanish i don't think you can understand every latino if you speak spanish then you can identify and talk to this type of latinos and then this other type of latinos i don't know if hmm. if you know what i mean yeah i, because I, I had a hard time with that in, in my conversation with yeah. portia because i was like you know It's a weird thing to say, to admit it, but yeah, they, I need to hear somebody speaking Spanish yeah. for me to take them her, seriously. Her Spanish is not perfect, it's not. but she can understand it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, she said one word or two and then she has to continue in English, but I know that, and because of her accent, I know that she has been around not only Puerto Ricans, right. but Mexicans, Salvadorians, Ecuadorians. Right, right, right. So I think that she's going to get better at it. Um, and I think that it is important. If you really, if you're getting, really calling yourself a Latino and you're using but, that as but, part of your but agenda. E but even if you're not a Latino politician, I'm saying, even if you're oh, not. Oh, well, yeah. If you want to, if you want to reach the Latino vote, if that's something that is part of your campaign, then, that you want to reach the should, Latino vote, then you should. Then you should yeah, definitely. And it's not a difficult thing to do. No, it's not. Listen to this podcast. You could yeah. learn. <laughs> word by word point by point any politician out there you want to you get the Latino vote listen to this podcast listen to the ending yeah okay? you'll learn some Spanish you wanted me to teach you right street reality Hablando Español Carla let's teach all these politicians some Spanish right now what you got okay how do you say volume Volume. Ah, look at you. Mm -hmm. So volume. I mean, volume is volumen, right? Mm -hmm. But when what we were using it for for today, meaning mass, like the volume, let's say, of a sphere, mm -hmm. or the volume of a box. Mm -hmm. How do you say that? Oh, you don't know. Is it also volumen? Sí. ¿Cómo se dice? Volumen. Really? I, yeah. You can use the word volumen as uh, el volumen de. Del sonido y el volumen de, de un cubo. De un, de un objeto. Seriously? Yeah, there's a word for it. Volumen. Volumen. I didn't know that. All right. Okay, how do you say uh, wait? Wait. Espera. Ah! <laughs> no, I know you meant a different kind of wait. Wait, peso. Oh, ah, but that's money. I said it, ah. <laughs> I said it wrong. No, you said it right. It's the same word. So right now we just walked into a, 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 a dumb trick that you end up falling into if you're bilingual. So yeah. weight, meaning weight like the body weight, mm -hmm. but because you said weight, I can say weight, you mean like espera, espera. like weight. Mm -hmm. But then espera, then I could say, but weight also could be peso, mm -hmm. like pesando something, like you're weighing something. Mm -hmm. Peso, but peso is money, is a dollar, is a... Oh my God, mira este. <laughs> He just did like a whole thing with it. Yeah. No, but so, okay. So, wait. How do you say wait? El peso? Peso. Peso. Okay. So, if I say I want to show the weight of something, el peso del objeto. Like, I want to say el, the weight of the lettering. El, el peso 
but I know that there's another word. Because for peso it. is kind of like weighing, like like you're talking about actual digit, you know, an actual number of 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 uh, weight. I don't know. I don't know if that's what weight means when we just say like, oh, look at the weight of that object. Then in that case, I think it's more el volumen. El volumen. Okay. Okay. Next one is mass. How do you say mass? Well, I was gonna say mass is volumen, but so mass is like masa? No. Masa. Masa, but masa isn't masa what you make something out of? Yeah, but also. Like, isn't masa what? Isn't masa like uh, when you like dough? Yeah, that's a type of masa. But also masa is anything that has particles on it. So mass. Mass in Spanish is the mass of the dough, la masa, but it's also la masa. Really? Like an object. Breakthroughs happening right now. <laughs> so so clay, for example. It's a type of masa. No, because all we say masa to is, is when you're cooking, la masa. But when you say... No, but se usa más en términos de ciencia. Masa. For science yeah. terms, we use mass as masa. Wow. Yeah. All right, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, okay, masa. So, so yeah. mass, masa, masa, and weight is peso. Peso. All right. How do you say dimensionality? Dimensionality, dimensionalidad. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, how do you say shadow? Ooh, shadow, sombra. Yes. How do you say... I think we did this one. one. Sombra. Maybe we did. But, but we... Because we, sombra also means like... I think sombra is something else too. It's not just shadow. Sombra is shadow. Are you thinking of sombrilla? Yeah, that's a shadow. Yeah, yeah it's casting a shadow on you. Yeah. All right. Got okay. It. Uh, next one, curve. Curve, curva. Yeah. And next one, waitress. <laughs> you took mine. Waitress. That's a tricky one. Waitress is um, mesera. Yes. Mesera, mesera literally translates into like table person. Mm -hmm. Mesera, like the person who works, who works with the table. Mm -hmm. Mesera. But, but isn't there another one for waitress or that's the only one? No, Ser mesero, mesero, or... Puede ser servidor, but that would be more like servant. Yeah, no, you don't say that. Mesera. Mesera. Okay. And then, how do you say democrat? Democrat. Democrata. 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 Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. I got a couple for you. Ready? Mm -hmm. Quickly. Politician? Politico. Organizer? Organizador. I feel like we've already done this. Bartender? Okay, so I looked it up because we said bartender in, in Puerto Rico, but it says camarero or camarera. Camarero or camarera. Oh, cantinero or cantinera. Okay. Thank you. All right. So another episode done. Yeah. Trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. Trying to catch up to all these episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, next episode is episode 49. Yes. What are we going to be talking about? Well, I'm going to explain a little bit about democratic socialism. 
we can gonna, we're gonna dive deeper into that huh? yeah we can talk a little bit about it see what you guys think and we can give our opinion about it too i don't know anything about democratic socialism so i'm very interested to have this conversation good uh i'm sure a lot of the ideas i'm gonna be into maybe i'm, I'm sure yeah but um but it'll be interesting to understand what is the formal um, definition definition and what are the, the some of the formal beliefs of it yeah um all right and then i'll figure out in our topic and we'll have a nice little conversation so <laughs> i'll see you guys next time see you guys